This is Cam Slater, and you're listening to Dirty Politics. Welcome to Dirty Politics Podcast. With me again is Simon Lusk on Skype. Welcome, Simon. What are we going to talk about tonight? Oh, we're going to talk about what we can expect from the election. Um, we're not going to make too many predictions because we'll probably look like idiots when we get it wrong. Um, and anyone that says they're going to predict what happens uh, probably a moron. So we're just going to be a bit circumspect. But we are going to say a few things about what we think is likely to happen without saying what the actual result's going to be. Right. So what can we expect from this election? It's been a tough-fought battle. We've got the involvement of Helen Clark. We've got Jacinda Mania. We've got Bill English screwing things up, Steve Joyce appearing to screw things up and then coming good in the end. Yeah, I don't think that was any surprise to anyone that knows Steve Joyce well. I mean, that bastard's cunning. He uh, he played the game really well and everyone bagged him and then he got a cracker of a pole. Um, you know, it's you just... Don't want to yeah, blame that guy for anything because he's usually right. Well, maybe he used a bit of – maybe he's been listening to our podcast and he was uh, uh, using Cunningham's law to get his point across. But he wasn't quite right on the $11.7 billion, uh, hole, but he was right in that Labor's fiscal plan was dreadful and was predicated on a whole bunch of stuff that was fairyland. Yeah, I, I think that is probably the case, and you've just got to expect someone as cunning as that bastard to do that kind of thing. Right, so polling trends. We've been uh, having a chat with our good mate David Farrer from Curia, but also we've been watching the other polls. We've got flip-flops everywhere. We've got uh, One News that seems to be out of step with everybody else. We've got News Hub that is delivering polls that seem to match UMR and uh, and Farrah's own polling. Where do you think uh, where things are based in this last week of the election? I think we just need to um, correct that because the um, the News Hub poll had National at 47, and I'm buggered if I could see how National could get to 47. They're not 47. Um, they've got to be way lower than that. Um, and, and I don't think that the um, internal party polls are showing that. No, I, I don't believe they're at 47 either. I think they're probably sitting around 44, uh, f- maybe 45 at best. Um, but, yeah, I, I agree with you on that. But then, I'd, on the other hand, I don't believe the One News polls either Either that had, you know, National two weeks ago on 38 and then a, a week ago on uh, on just cracking 40. So Yeah, uh, and then you have the, the, uh, the lunatic polls from people like Horizons that have them both on 38. You just wonder when Horizons are going to get called out for being absolutely hopeless. Well, Horizon isn't a real polling company in my view because it's a self-selecting panel and uh, it's prone to hijacking. And I know, for example, that the ACT Party has a whole series of activists that climb into the Horizon poll when it comes available. And I know that Labor does it as well, um, quite apart from the fact that it seems to be run by a whole bunch of left-wingers as well. Yeah, well, I just don't think their results are credible. I mean, they're so far out of step with everyone else. Um, you know, the, the, the good thing that we're um, seeing is that at least our polling companies don't do what they did in Britain in 2015 and heard. You know, the, there's News Hub and um, TV1 have very different results and, and they're way out of step with each other, but that shows they're not massaging the numbers to get numbers that they like. Well, I actually quite like divergence because at the end of the day, when we when votes are counted up on Saturday night, 
we're going to know whether one polling company was right or one polling company was wrong or they're both wrong and we get a completely different result. Yeah, and, and there'll be some pretty nervous people in the polling companies. I mean, they won't be happy knowing that they're so far out of step with each other. Well, the indicator for me is that uh, with regards to Colmar Brunton and One News's poll is that immediately after that, uh, we would, in fact, on the same day the poll was released, Labor did their flip-flop on their uh, capital gains tax plans and their other plans regarding the tax working group. Now, if their own polling showed that they were in the right on that, that they uh, had the confidence of the people, then I'm pretty sure they wouldn't have backtracked on that poll um, uh, or, or on those tax plans. And I'm pretty sure that they uh, would have also released their own tax num uh, their own polling numbers in order to um, prove that Colmar Brunton was right. We haven't seen Labor release any of their polling in the last three weeks. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, they were throwing their polls around desperately to show that they were either doing well or that they, um, you know, Robbo wanted to get rid of Andrew Little and they, he released the poll results. So based on previous elections, and let's just talk about MMP elections because they're the only ones that are really relevant, what can we expect based on past history to happen during this week with the polls? Well, you'd, you'd expect the Greens to fall. They they tend to fall. Um, there's a, a lot of um, people say they're going to vote for the Greens that just simply don't turn up to vote, and that is typical of, of everyone around the world. Young young people um, tend not to vote, and they don't. They will be thinking, oh, "I'll vote for the Greens," and then they forget. Um, it's like that ad that they ran in Australia a couple of elections ago about why someone's voting Green, and one guy says, "Ah." Oh, I'm keen on this hippie chick and I want to get into her pants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And another guy said I was stoned on election day. Um, you know, it's not a not a motivated voter base for the Greens, so they tend to fall away a bit. Um, Labor have fallen away a bit too. They, um, they, their, their voters are not as uh, stoic as national voters, so they they don't turn out if they don't think they're going to win. So they may not fall as much this time because they actually do believe they've got a chance of winning. The thing that I've noticed with those two left-wing parties, though, is their total and utter reliance on social media. And it was in 2011 election that Trevor Mallard said Labour was going to win because they had more likes and more tweets and retweets than, than national. They did that again in 2014, and the Greens have always gone on about their greater social media presence. In my experience and observations, likes and tweets and retweets don't equal votes. No, no. And, um, yeah, th th there may be a point where social media does make a difference, but I'm not sure that it is, is now. No. Um, what about Nationals' results? Where do they go? Well, well, they either stay the same as the polls because of the stoic National voters feeling obliged to go out and vote, and they, they tend to, um, or they may fall away a little bit. Um, the, if, if turnout increases, the, the total number of people that might vote national may stay the same, but because turnout increases, national get a lower percentage of the vote, and that would reflect a, a fall in the, the polls. Um, but the, the really interesting thing is that, um, that New Zealand First always increases and uh, infuriates Winston because he um, believes the polls are rigged against him, and, and I don't know that they're necessarily rigged against him, but election day comes around and he gets a bit of a bounce. 
Well, I don't think the polls are rigged, but I do think that uh, they are probably not accurately reflecting perhaps rural or provincial New Zealand just simply because of the call patterns that are happening. Um, and the smaller parties are generally uh, poorly represented in the polls, and I guess that's just the sample sizes. Yeah, yeah. Although the um, the the Greens are um, overrepresented in the polls, um, I, I think it's probably more a factor of the the older people vote New Zealand first, in, in the same way that the Conservatives had massive numbers of people over the age of 75 voting for them in 2015. And that was unprecedented. It really messed up the polling models because so many old people voted and so few young people did. And so based on that, if the Greens get a poll this week that's around about six or seven, there's a pretty good chance that they might actually slip under 5% because NBR showed some statistics uh, in, a, in an article they wrote last week that showed that the Greens on average drop between 2 to 2.5%. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, that would be a blessing for the country and, and it might force the Greens to go back to being environmentalists rather than bludgers and social justice warriors. But, um, yeah, I, I think that, that the, just like at the last election, the biggest chair at National Party events was when Hone lost. Um, if the Greens don't make 5%, that'll be the biggest chair at every national event. One day we should tell that story about how Hone lost. Yeah, yeah, it's a bloody good story. <laughs> yeah, but um, oh, well, the, well, all we'll say at this point is while the Labour Party and Nikki Hager were banging on about dirty politics, <laughs> the Labour Party was relying on dirty politics to get rid of Hone. Oh, and the Labour Party's bloody brilliant at it. They're way better than we are. Um, you know, they, and you know, all my friends in Labour just didn't care about dirty politics. We just got caught, and they said, "Oh, well, we do that all the time." <laughs> exactly. That's what Trotter <laughs> said to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. a few others. So, what what do you reckon is going to happen this time, then, Simon? Without predicting, because I don't, I don't want to get into predictions, because then I'll look as stupid as Martin Bradbury. Yeah, well, I, I think that we can look at some patterns, and and one of the big ones is ego-driven money parties are. Um, uh, uh, not successful. I mean, Colin Craig managed to waste what I reckon was about six million of his own money on not getting elected to mayor of Auckland, not stopping the anti-smacking stuff, and not getting his party into parliament. Uh, Kim dot com spent a little bit less, but in a um, shorter time period, uh, and he didn't get anywhere. Uh, and and you know, Gareth Morgan appears to have not learnt the lessons from those guys, and um, he's certainly not running an evidence-based campaign. Um, and doesn't look despite his claims that he's running an evidence-based campaign well no he he's been very uh yeah he, he's i never said he's going to evidence-based pol policies he hasn't said anything about evidence-based campaigning um and i don't think he ever really wanted to do a deep dive into into campaign theory and practice and and he just wanted to make it up as he went along um and that, that just doesn't work. Um, yeah, it seems the strategy this week is Twitter walls with this PR person and himself um, abusing hard left, you know, communists like um, like Giovanni Tiso and people like that. I'm not sure that's a vote winner. No, nah, no. Nah, I mean, he probably should have gone out and shot a few cats and he would have got endless publicity. Yeah, well, we invited him, though. We invited him to a cat shoot, didn't we? Yeah, I was really disappointed in Gareth. I was looking forward to cat shoot, and I had all the media lined up and some cats inside a Takahe enclosure, and, you know, it was going to be good PR, and he turned it down. Yeah, well, we nailed two cats on that anyway, so... 
we'll yeah. we'll uh, show that when we release the wild. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so what about I, the missing millions, uh, Simon? Remember the last election, Labor uh, went on and on and on about how if only the missing million had all turned up and voted for them, they'd have won. Do you reckon they're going to show up again, or are they still missing? I think most of them are quite happy being missing, um, and they're not that incentivised to vote. Now, they may, because Jacinda's there and Labour are doing better in the polls, think it's worthwhile this time. Their vote may count. Um, so some of them may turn up, but you know, I, I just think that when people don't vote, it's because they basically can't be bothered. It's not because they don't like what's on offer. It's, um, you know, they just don't see it as being all that relevant. Well, there has to be a compelling reason to change government. And, you know, I'm, I'm no fan of national, as you know, but I just can't see a compelling reason for a voter who hasn't voted in the last three elections to bother voting again. Yeah, yeah. You know, the only compelling reason is is that their vote may actually count this time. I mean, under Goff or Cunliffe, there was no show of Labour winning, so you might as well not bother. Well, especially when the leaders are apologising for being men and, and um, well, Andrew Little was just a strange little fellow, really. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, Goff uh, hadn't learnt the lessons from Helen Clark about fundraising and things and, and building a team and he got clobbered. The thing is that I don't get with Andrew Little is one-on-one, -on -one, he's personally engaging. Yeah. I, had, I had a good probably 20-minute, 30-minute chat with him in the early hours of the morning at Gallipoli in 2015, and I thought, this this bloke's actually not bad. And then his union bother boy, Neil Jones, showed up and just threw a blue-blind fit. And poor old Andrew Little, he, he sort of looked really sheepish, but he still you know shuffled off under the control of Neil Jones. And that's when I think that I realised that the real Andrew Little, the Andrew Little that we only saw when he resigned, that speech he made was just brilliant. And, and I think I tweeted at the time. Well, I did tweet at the time. Where's that Andrew Little? Why hasn't he been on the campaign? And I just think that as minders and as PR people and as media managers let him down dreadfully because they tried to make him be someone he isn't. Yeah, absolutely criminal mistake by advisors you, you you've always got to emphasize someone's strength you don't try and convert them to something that they're not and you know you just see it time and time again an advisor completely buggers up a candidate by um, trying to get them to be what they're not well i'm seeing this though with jacinda as well she's a lovely person you know i've had a, a very long lunch with her and david farrah admittedly it was 2008 uh, you've had some dinners with her in, in private situations, and she's a, an engaging, lovely person. But I've just been looking at all of her speeches and statements, and she's got these stock phrases, and I don't know who came up with them, but they just don't resonate. Things like, you know, oh, I think we need to have a conversation on this, or we need to have a conversation about tax, we need to have a conversation about suicide. People don't want politicians to have a conversation. They want action. And, and they're just not seeing that. That's my view. What do you yeah, think? Yeah, look, I, I think the, the general public uh, want to see someone who knows what they think and is going to take action. Um, inside the left, they tend to think that everyone just needs a bit more education and they'll change their minds and listen to the left. Um, and I think that that's probably where Jacinda's fallen into that trap. Um, just trying to educate everyone rather than just saying, look, I believe this and I'm going to do this and it'll be good for you because of this. Um, quite a simple pitch, but she she can't seem to make it.
Yeah, but that pitch falls down when you come up against someone like you or me and we go, no, it won't. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right, so what are we going to look for on election night, Simon? Well, the first thing is going to be the party vote for Labour and, and National and, and looking at what kind of deals they can do. Um, the big thing we'll be looking for is is who can do a, a, a coalition deal with only one other party Um that is the preferable option for everyone. Um, That's what Winston wants, isn't it? He he doesn't want to have multiple parties. He wants just two parties to do a deal, to have the numbers to get them safely over that 61 seats that's required. Yeah, and, you know, that, well, the National may hold out hopes that they can get there with, um, with just... Um, or with with ACT and the Maori Party, but I think that's probably... A There's no chance of that. I looked at Peter Ellis's model again uh, before we before we recorded this. There's absolutely no chance on, on the current polling, the model that he's got, the statistical model that we reviewed in a previous podcast. There's absolutely no way that uh, that current partners can get there with National. So it really looks like for National, it's either New Zealand first... Or the Greens, if the Greens make it. Yeah, and, and the Greens aren't going to do a deal. No, because they're pinkos and commies. Yeah, well, well more importantly, their constitution um, demands that their membership have a say on their um, coalition partners. And and while everyone says, oh, the Greens need to say that they could do a deal with National, their membership simply wouldn't let it happen. So, you know, National probably looking at whether they can do a deal with Winston. Um, uh, Labor. Some of the polls have said Labor can get there with just the Greens. I'm not sure that I believe that. No, that, that. doesn't work either. I've, I've run that model. It doesn't work. It's zero. So for, for Labor to get there, it's only with Winston and the Greens taking one in the chalk like they always do. Yeah, and, and Winston uh, will be pretty keen to make sure the Greens are nowhere near um, anything um, if he does a deal with Labor, I'm sure. But the trouble with the Greens is they actually think this is their turn. It's out. It's their turn now to have a job. And so there's going to be a real Donnybrook if it does pan out that way. Well, yeah, except that Winston will go into a meeting with Labour and, and say, I don't want the Greens anywhere near there. And Labour will go, oh, that's bullshit. You've got to be nice to the Greens. And Winston will walk out and about 20 minutes later he'll get the call saying, <laughs> all right, we've told the Greens to bugger off, come back and we'll sort it out. Well, that's what, that's what happened in 2005. Yeah, and, you know, it's, uh, you've got to admire Winston for that. He knows that um, Labour will be desperate for power and they would rather do a deal with him and be in government than, than stick up for the Greens who they actually loathe. Well, they, they tried to decapitate them. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. there's been a lot of talk in this campaign that, you know, Brexit, Trump, um, all of these sorts of things show that politics is unpredictable do you think that we're we're in the same boat as the rest of the world, or do you think we're slightly different and a lot more rational and sane? Uh, no, I don't think we're more rational and sane, but I do think that our country is going in the right direction and people are basically pretty happy. I, I mean, the, there were some major problems in both Britain and in um, the US, and, it, you know, they, their economies weren't anywhere near as strong as ours. The, they... The, right direction poll was negative rather than positive um, and that means that it just seems a little unlikely that we have a really wild result because the public aren't actually all that annoyed with National they may not love them anymore but they're not annoyed with them Well that's that comes back to the old saw isn't it that um, oppositions don't win government 
governments lose government. And I just don't think National's done enough to lose. They might drop a bit in the polls, but I don't think they've done enough to lose. But I guess we'll see on Saturday night. Yeah, yeah, and you know, you do have to back build to fuck things up somewhere. I mean, he has a track record of it. <laughs> okay, so the results come in, Labour's lost. What does that mean for Jacinda? Oh, whatever happens, it's been an unequivocal success for Jacinda. She's managed to take Labour from 23 probably to 40 in the polls. Um, they're claiming that uh, they've had a million dollars in in donations um, from, I think, 11,000 different donors all online. Um, National haven't been chest-beating in the same way, but apparently they've raised about the same amount of money. Um, Jacinda is is free to do what she chooses. She'll be able to do a pretty serious reshuffle if she wants to after the election. Um, she might give a few of the the old Tuskers a don't come Monday card. Uh, she may not, um, but she's pretty secure now. Um, and unless she chooses not to stay around, I can't see anyone in Labor being willing to to cut her throat because she has put them in play in an election they are destined to lose badly. It's kind of the Helen Clark situation again, like 1996, where she almost got there um, and they give her another go. But I, I sort of disagree with you on some of that because, you know, the article on Friday in The Guardian raises some health issues for her. Uh, she's been a reluctant leader. Um, the reality is, is Labour hasn't changed that much. They moved Jacinda from two to one. They moved Andrew Little from one to three and pretty much everything else is the same. So, you know, if she doesn't win this time, I'm not sure she has the stickability to want to give it a go again. And she's also stated that she wants to have a family. Yeah, and, but you know, that's her choice. It's not, no one in Labour is going to be uh, right out with a knife. Um, no, know, no one's going to do it. There's not going to be a stabbing that it, that would occur if it was Andrew Little that was losing. Yeah, yeah. There's no, there's going to be no mood within a Labour caucus, especially a Labour caucus that could have as many as 20 MPs that six weeks ago weren't expecting to get into Parliament, um, they're all going to be very loyal to Jacinda because it's only because of Jacinda that they, they've got there. And that leaves the uh, little room for the Tuskers to actually try their machinations because they're outnumbered now. Oh, yeah. And, and you know, there's actually some quite good people coming through. And, you know, I've got um, people telling me all the time that um, Karen McNulty and um, Wairapa is a really good bloke. And, and I, I know that Kerry Allen did some great work fighting the Rotanafa water storage project. And, and Deborah Russell in New Lynn is uh, apparently a very smart uh, woman. Um, she may be in the Labour Party, but she's still a, a tax specialist, which we could actually do with. Karen McNulty seems to be a bit of a Tory to me. I mean, working for the TAB, taking money off poor people, betting and uh, making sure the TAB continues to make a fair bit of, of hooter on the way through. Yeah, yeah, but uh, I mean, he's just, he's doing a good job in Wairapa and he sounds like a good bloke that you'd want to go and have a beer with. Yeah, exactly. Right, so let's uh, flip that across now. Uh, national losers, what happens? Well, if Bill isn't smart enough to walk out immediately, I think his throat will be cut pretty quick. Okay, what about this scenario? National wins, but they only just get over the line because they have to do a deal with Winston. Does Bill stay on then? Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure. I, I don't know that um, that Winston would be willing to make that call. Just not sure. Well, I guess if there's some wavering between um, you know the Nats who are saying, no, we don't want to go with Winston, we'd rather go into opposition. 
that could be an option, though, where the backbench says, no, we'd rather be in government because you can't do anything in opposition. And then they cut a deal with um, with Winston by cutting Bill's throat. Yeah, I think it's actually more likely that um, the senior guys are the ones that, that insist that there's a deal because they've got the most to lose. If you're a backbencher, um, you go into opposition, but a whole lot of the senior guys leave, so you get a promotion. Um, if you're a senior guy, you know, all the senior ministers now are not going to be around for the next national government. This is this is the last chance for them to be a, a minister. So they'll do anything to hang on to that. And what about the option that nobody in the media has talked about? I've written about it a couple of times. No one seems to think, think this one through. But let's say you get uh, National on 43, Labour's on 39, Winston gets enough that he could put either of them in, but he decides to sit on the cross benches and say to National and Bill English, well, you go and form a government, you've got the biggest, we'll give you supply, but everything else other than supply, you're going to have to come and beg for. Yeah, I think it's a possibility, but I also think that Winston inherently is conservative and he prefers stability and he would be uncomfortable with that amount of instability. Yeah, but it would give him an immense amount of power. Yeah, I, I just believe that Winston is more into into stability than than having that kind of absolute power over a government. Are you prepared to make a prediction, or are you in the same position as me, where it's harder to pick than a broken nose? Yeah, absolutely. No, no predictions from me. Um, I yeah, just the. The, the data that we're getting is so all over the place. I think anyone that makes any predictions is um, is taking a huge risk of looking like an idiot. Well, we don't like looking like idiots, do we? No. All right, I think that gives a good wrap-up for our listeners uh, for ahead of the election. Uh, we will, of course, have a live post uh, on, the, on the site uh, so that we can have our uh, election discussion. And uh, no doubt you and I will be talking on the phone and uh, via Skype uh, constantly and we should be able to keep uh, listeners updated on election night and hopefully with our statistics person that we've got in the background, we should be able to predict this ahead of the media. Yeah, that would be good. Yep. All right, thanks for your time, Simon. No worries. And thank you to the listeners for checking in on another podcast. Great. Okay, thanks, Cam. 